following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Matthew 9. I know it's Father's Day, and we might traditionally speak on that subject this morning. And then, you know what, I would encourage you, if your father's alive and well, to send him a thousand dollars. Amen. No. <laughs> Tell him you love him. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Dan saying, Yeah, I got enough kids. That'd make out great. Amen. <laughs> I would too, except my kids couldn't afford it. <laughs> so <laughs> most of our kids couldn't afford it. But uh, nonetheless, let's uh, uh, pray for fathers. Amen. Tell them you love them. And, uh, but let's uh, take the time to look at something different this morning in Scripture. Matthew 9, Matthew 9, let's begin in verse 9, Matthew 9, and beginning in verse 9, the Bible says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom. And he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him, and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to uh, repentance. I'd like to preach on this subject this morning. The great physician and divine healing, the great physician, and divine healing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we consider the subject this morning, Father, our hearts are heavy for our brother Knight, who cannot be with us and his family. We pray, God, that you'd be near to them. God, help them to know that you love them, and we love them, and Father, that your will is the best. I pray, God, as we... Consider this subject this morning. God, help us to learn something of the subject of divine healing in our great physician. Father, thank you for being the great and good God that you are. And I pray, God, you'd help me to preach and teach thy word this morning. God, help us to receive the things you have for us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in our text, Lord Jesus Christ is dealing with the religious leadership among the Jews, as he often had to, they were the ones that oftentimes withstood him, challenged him, looking for some fault they might find in him. And here we see even in verse 11, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said uh, unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? What a sad thing uh, that they couldn't see their own condition. All they could do is look down their religious nose at other people and uh, find fault with them, and at the the same time find fault with our Lord Jesus Christ. But as we talk about this in verse 12, the Bible says, When Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. You know, as we talk about Christ being the great physician, really, and divine healing, we find that the Lord, in, in, in reference to healing in one sense, is speaking about uh, the, the idea of going to a doctor. You know, there are some in the religious world today that imagine and, and 
it's wrong uh, for a Christian to go to a doctor because we should just be able to pray and uh, God will heal us of any malady or any problem. Well, does the Bible really teach that? Well, we're going to look into that and look at divine healing for a moment. As a matter of fact, uh, according to the Christian Science magazines, they, they have published over more than uh, over 60,000 testimonies of healing through prayer. And you know, folks, God is still a God that can heal through prayer, but is that the only means through which God heals? Is, God, is divine healing always through the matter and office, if you will, of prayer? Is there never a time when God can provide some measure of healing, even divine healing, in, uh, in going to a doctor? Well, they say and they have this idea that Christian science teaches that all ills, diseases can be overcome through prayer in proportion as one gains the mind of Christ. That is, a correct understanding of the spiritual status of human beings. This true status was demonstrated by Jesus in his healings and his victory over death and the grave. And this is written by Mary Baker Eddy. Mrs. Eddy taught that the matter was not created by God, since God, the divine mind, could not have created the attendant evils brought about by matter. Sin itself is a delusion. However, the regenerative process may be slow. We need Christ and Him crucified. We must have trials, self-denials, as well as joys and victories until all error is destroyed. Now, some of this is a little confusing. <laughs> the woman's not making any sense. But she refers to God as if He were the divine mind, not a person, and not the one true and living God as we discussed in the, in the morning service. And yet, they believe in, in the power if you will, a prayer and a divine healing. And yet you have to wonder just to whom they're praying. Amen. And I'm sure that some of the examples that they gave were of folks that had been genuinely healed uh, through the matter of prayer. When nothing else would, would work, there was prayer. Look with me to James chapter 5 as we talk about the subject of divine healing and the great physician. Uh, James chapter <clears throat> uh, 5 James chapter 5, and we'll begin in verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he shall have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. <clears throat> he says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that ye may be healed. So now it seems here the admonition of Scripture is that we're to pray for healing and maybe pray for healing alone as if that is the only hope, uh, if you will, for healing. And yet, is that exactly what he is saying? Well, I want us to look at a few things concerning the matter of divine healing and we'll see if we can understand a little more of what James is speaking of and what the Lord himself is speaking of. First of all, the practice of divine healing by the Lord Jesus Christ was for the purpose of declaring that Jesus he himself is God, and that he would be glorified. Look at me to John 11. John chapter 11. Now the Lord was not some kind of a showman that was just running around doing miracles and healing people. Let me say this, God is a gracious and a good God. The Bible says that God is good to all. And God healed people. He cast out demons. He fed the, uh, the, the hungry. And the multitude of which never, never at any time were saved. 
He just did good to them and for them, even though they weren't saved. Because, you know what, folks, he wants people to know that God is good uh, to all, as he has said in John 11 and 33. John 11 and 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Now, this is Lazarus' grave. He's come to the grave to see what's going on, and he knows what he's going to do. He sees people weeping. He said, what, Wherefore have you laid him? Where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And let me say this. Folks, never imagine that it's wrong for us to weep even over someone who's saved by the grace of God and has died. Weeping is a part of our grieving over those we lose. Now, we know they've gone to heaven but I'm going to tell you something. We weep over the loss of their very presence today. Amen. We want them. We love them. We're going to miss them. And folks, we grieve over them. And the Bible says Jesus wept with them. The Bible says weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. It's not wrong for a Christian to weep over someone they've loved and lost, even though they've gone to heaven. You know, Jesus knew, and you know, it's interesting. Jesus was not weeping for Lazarus. He was weeping for those that were left behind and that were grieving over his loss. We'll read on. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, and it was a cave. And a stone lay upon it, and Jesus said, Take ye, uh, ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been day, dead four days. And I think on purpose uh, the Lord awaited four days to come to the grave, because as is a fact, after three days the body begins to openly decay, which would prove that when the Lord finally did come and raise Lazarus from the dead, that this was an absolute miracle of God a miracle healing. <clears throat> Jesus uh, saith unto her, verse 40, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe thou should see the glory of God. Then, took away, then, took, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when the, he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he was, and, and he that was dead came forth, bound and uh, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Folks, this was an absolute miracle of God. And let me say this I'm sure that people were praying for Lazarus that he wouldn't die. They were praying for him that he probably wouldn't die. Now he's dead, and they were imagining maybe that all hope was lost, but God was going to perform a miracle not to put on a sideshow, but to show that he himself is the mighty power of the living God. Amen? If you will, look with me to John 14. John 14 and verse 8. John 14 and verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest thou, then show us the Father? 
Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me, he that doeth the, he that doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. You know what? <clears throat> when Philip was struggling with uh, the idea of just who Christ is, uh, he said, I am the Father, and he, he said, show us the Father. He says, have I been long, so long time? He said, can't you understand and see that I am the Father? You know, Jesus is God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. Those three are one, without doubt. And you know, here as he was dealing with uh, Philip, trying to help him to understand this, he said, you know, if you're struggling with this, he said, look at the very works that I've done. What works was he referring to? He was referring to it, how he had healed many of, of all kinds of maladies that were impossible for men to heal. He, was, uh, he had cast out demons. He had fed multitudes of people. He had walked on the water. He had calmed the storm, and on and on and on it went. But why was all of that? So that he could show his disciples and the world that he is the Father. He himself is God to the glory of God the Father. Secondly, when we talk about the practice of divine healing by the apostles and elders was declared to be that their <clears throat> and elders was to declare that their work and ministry was of God. Now in James 5 he talks about the elders of the church gathering together, praying, anointing the sick with oil. Well it was the practice for some time during the, the beginning of the ministry up until the time when God uh, uh, began, uh, when God finished the word of God, it was, it was God's practice to, if you will, manifest himself in some acts of divine healing. In Mark chapter 6, if you look there with me, Mark chapter 6 this morning, and looking at verses 10 through 13, Mark 6, and verses 10 through 13, and he, and he said unto them, in what, <clears throat> this is Mark 6, yeah, <clears throat> And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you when ye depart from thence, shake off the dust uh, under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. And, he went out and, pre and they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils, and anointed oil with many that were sick, and healed them. It was their practice, and in the course of this divine healing, it gave testimony to, that, to the work that they were doing for the Lord was of the Lord, from the Lord, by the power of the Lord. In Mark 16, look there with me. Mark chapter 16, and beginning in verse 14. Mark 16, and beginning in verse 14. And afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and the leaders of the Lord's church in Jerusalem, and upbraided them with uh, their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not him, on, not, believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And I always like to mention the emphasis is on faith in Christ, in the gospel of our Lord of Jesus Christ, not in baptism. Baptism doesn't save, it follows 
a genuine faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, and that's not the jibber-jabber nonsense, but actual languages. It says, and they shall take up serpents, and if they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. God gave them the power to do some miraculous things, but it was not them that did it. It was, if you will, God working through them to minister uh, divine healing and other things of that, uh, that nature. But they were, were for a sign to those that were paying attention, to, particularly the unbelieving Jews, that this work was of God, from God, uh, for the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you look there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and a verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and a verse 27. The Bible says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. He talks about gifts of healings. It was a part of the, the ministry of the, the early church before the completed word of God to manifest again that this power, this work, and this message was of God in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8, the Bible says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be, uh, whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there, shall, there, there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, and that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. He's talking about those things that would cease, that would come to an end, prophecies, tongues, and um, new knowledge, if you will. When God, create, when God completed the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, when God had finished inspiring the last of the books of the Bible through uh, many of the apostles, the apostle Paul, a chief one who has written much of the New Testament, God brought an end to brought an end to the sign gifts, one of which, though it's not mentioned, is the, if you will, dramatic uh, uh, healings, divine healings, according to the elders, the apostles uh, within the church. It was no longer necessary to validate the message because of the completed revelation of God, the perfect, if you will, the perfect uh, law of liberty, <clears throat> And uh, let me say this, the Bible says this, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by signs and wonders. Is that what the Bible says? No. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, sometimes people are still looking for signs and wonders and they say, well, you know, this must be of God because people speak in tongues, they roll on the floor, they do what looks like miraculous things. 
and you know what, much of which is a sham and nonsense, and they will set aside the truth of God's word through which God produces faith in the human heart so that men can know him and be saved by the grace of God. There was a time when it would come to an end, James 1, James 1 and 22, James 1, and looking, if you will, to verse 22. But be a doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Now we don't know exactly when the final uh, a bit of scripture was finally inspired and written down and preserved for us. But understand this, it's, pre- it's, re- it's preserved in heaven for us forever. And it is the instrument by which God produces faith. And I, now that, that is not to say that God does not still heal people when we pray for them. It's not to say that. But thirdly, the practice of divine healing is to be in agreement with the will of God. In 1 John 5, if you look with me there, 1 John 5, and uh, verses 14 and 15, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know uh, that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now, let me tell you something, not in every case... uh, do we know what the will of God is? Not in every case do we know what the will of God is. Now much, much of the will of God is found right here. We don't have to wonder what the will of God is. It's here in Scripture. But sometimes, especially in the matter of praying for people, praying for their healing, we don't always understand whether it's God's will that someone be healed or not. Look with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And looking at verses 26 and 27, Romans chapter 8, looking at verses 26 and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to to the will of God. When we're struggling sometimes with praying for someone who is sick and we're wondering, well, what, how should we pray? And even as we've been praying for Brother Knight and, and not always knowing what the will of God is, we're still praying that if it be possible, if it be thy will, God heal him. Because we love him and we want him back, if you will, uh, with us, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning in verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should have been exalted above measure. But this thing I, I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And I've said many a time that I believe when you study Scripture that we find the Apostle Paul had an eye ailment. And it would be a very difficult thing for a preacher who preaches the word of God not to be able to see the very scriptures and study to prepare to preach the word of God as we'd like to do. 
But he said, and he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Uh, <clears throat> Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, folks, God had a purpose and a reason in Paul's life for not removing for not removing the thorn in the flesh, for not, if you will, healing him of the problem. I remember reading just recently in Philippians that, that Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus had been sick. He was a laborer with the apostle Paul, nigh unto death. Now God brought him back. You know, he, 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 he was healed by it, but not by some sort of, if you will, laying on of hands or anything else like that. He just recovered <coughs> from his sickness. And I'm sure that the Lord was involved with it. And I'm sure people were praying for him. And yet, <clears throat> and not in every case, is it the will of God um, to, for someone to be healed? Look with me, if you will, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, the fourth thing is the practice of divine healing can come through the wisdom that God has given to doctors. You know, there are those that say, well, don't go to a doctor because all they're going to do is hurt you and make things worse. Let me tell you something. God, God gives wisdom to people. And I, I don't, let's read the passage. James 1 and verse 5. James 1 and verse 5. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You know, we've been praying uh, for God to give wisdom, if at all possible, to the doctors to help them, to help uh, Brother Knight. But let me say this, God does give wisdom and has given wisdom to men uh, from the beginning of time. Wisdom that has caused us to be able to deal with things and to know things and to come to places that, uh, and knowledge and understanding that we have not had before. As a matter of fact, there are many uh, treatments for cancers, all different kinds of cancers. It's getting better all the time because God himself has given wisdom to men, even to men that have not asked wisdom of him. He has given wisdom to all men. And you know, God wants to help man and yet sometimes we refuse the help. In Philippians 1, Philippians 1, but folks, what if it is the will of God that men die and that in spite of the wisdom that God has given to them, they do die? In Philippians 1 and 26, that you're rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for, uh, for me by my coming to you again. <clears throat> that is not the passage I'm looking for. <clears throat> Look at verse 21. I'm in 26, sorry. Did I say 21 or 26? I think 26. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet... What I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart 
and to be with Christ, which is far better, better nevertheless, to abide in the flesh for you is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Now he says here, to die as a Christian, for me to live as Christ, to die, it's gain. Now sometimes we struggle with that as, as the loved ones and friends of those who are Christians who may be at the point of death. But remember, they gain, they gain, and it is better, he says, it is better to be with Christ. You know, we hear the term, you know, they've gone to, be, to a better place. And for a Christian, that's so. That's so. Though we lose their presence, you know, maybe God would say to us, you know, it's time for them to come home because they've done as much good for you as they can. It's time to come home. 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. Verse 6, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. You know what? It could be, as we pray for the Christian who is maybe at the point of death, maybe God is trying to tell us, and even them, you know, you've fought, your, your, you've fought the good fight of faith, but you've run to the end of your course. You've finished your race, and it's time to come home and take the, the victor's crown. You know, folks, we're victorious. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. I don't want to end it, in that note, in Matthew 9, <clears throat> verses 11 and 12. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that behold me, not a physician, but they that are sick, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I know Ken would like us to consider this last thing. The practice of divine healing points to Christ as the only physician who can heal us from the, from the terminal disease of sin. You know, Brother Knight's facing, because of the advanced nature, the advanced nature of his sickness, it, is, it found its way and metastasized through entire, his entire body. And, <clears throat> but there is a sickness. We may not deal with that person. I know there's some in this room that have survived cancer. There, there are some that have survived cancer. But you know what, folks? Every human being deals with a terminal disease called sin. And it's a, it's a disease that you and I cannot find any treatment for anywhere else than the great physician, our Lord Jesus Christ. And his prescription 
for the disease is I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, it's hard, you know, when, when you get a diagnosis, you know, initially with a, with a diagnosis with Brother Knight, there seemed to be some optimism. But let me say this. They did say that the disease had found its way into the spinal area and had destroyed some of the, the, the spinal tissue. If he were to live, he would be a cripple the rest of his life, not able to walk. I say that to say that the disease was very extensive, causing great damage. Folks, the disease of sin is extensive and threatens to cause great damage to the life, to every life that is affected and touched by it. In Genesis 8, if you look there with me, Genesis 8. Genesis 8, and look at verse 20 to 22. Genesis 8, verses 20 to 22. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered a burnt offering on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. You know, the reason God had to judge the world with a flood was because of the disease of sin. It had found its way into almost every, into every heart and was ruining every life and threatened to destroy man completely. And yet God said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save Noah, an eighth person and his family, a, a, a man called a man of righteousness, a preacher of righteousness, as the Bible refers to him as. A man that he was looking forward to the Christ to come, the Christ that would be the Lord and Savior of the world. He had put his faith and trust, found a cure for his sin, his terminal disease of sin, in the Christ to come, if you will. Psalm 14 and 1. Psalm 14 and 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Fact is, folks, is that, is, that refers to, again, the terminal disease of sin, of which, now listen, of which we are all infected by. The disease we cannot cure by our works. Ecclesiastes 7. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20. The Bible says, There is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Sin is terminal. Death is sure. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That comes to us, if you will, as, as the Lord said, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance in Mark 1. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15. Now, after that, John was put in prison, speaking of the 
of John Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent ye and believe the gospel. What is the gospel? How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Folks, our only hope is in the Christ who loved us, who died for us, who shed his precious blood, that he alone might cleanse us from the, the, the disease of sin. He alone can do that. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you saved by the grace of God? If you were to die today, if you were to die today, now, you know, because you're not what, listen, because you don't, you don't think, well, I, I have no terminal disease. I don't have to worry about death. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You know, you could walk out of your house, trip, break your neck, and be dead. And you know, we, we imagine what a terrible thing. And you know, we don't want to lose Brother Knight. But he's going to heaven. What about you? He dealt with the greatest sickness that anybody can deal with. And that's the sickness of sin. The Bible says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And the death he speaks of is not just a physical death where your body goes into the ground. But it's eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Christ went to the cross of Calvary to die for sin. Your sin. That he might, listen it, that he might be the cure, the only cure for the terminal sickness of sin. Again, let me ask you this question. Are you saved by the grace of God? If you died today, where would you be? Where would you be? Ken, several times in talking to his family this week, said, listen, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. He knows he's going to heaven. You know, the way he's going is difficult. But, you know, folks, the way may be a way of suffering, but we sing a song, the way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. Are you saved? If you died, where would you go? Ken knows. Do you know? The Bible says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, and this life is in a son. He that hath the son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Are you saved today? You say, well, I may have, I, I, I survived cancer. But what about the sickness of sin? Will you survive that? You can, by the grace and mercy of Almighty God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.